Hey, this is Youth Movement Podcast. Just relax, as the message will start in a moment. Hey, um, so I was watching a movie the other night, and I don't really like phone calls. Just message me. That's what I'm about. I prefer that, because I can reply when you, when, you know, I've got more time. Like, if I'm busy, obviously I was watching a movie that night, so I wasn't, but... Anyway, an old friend rang me and I was like, this has got to be important because we don't even really talk anymore. But he rang me and he goes, bro, do you remember that time we climbed Mount Tibro and we met those two girls up, up there a couple of years ago, literally like two years ago? And I was like, yeah, bro, absolutely. Um, and he goes, oh, well, I, I work in North Lakes now and so does she. And I've seen her at work a couple of, t- one of them at work a couple of times. And, and um, basically what happened on, on Mount Tibro was like, um, I just shared a little bit about what we believed. I think it was a church day or something. So we were like climbing early morning and then coming down and going to church or something like that. So I told him about that. Told him like a really small little bit about God. Um, this is two years ago. So I didn't really know a whole heap myself. I hadn't shared the gospel a whole lot. I didn't really know how to love people that way, so to speak. And so but I really wanted to. <laughs> so I told these girls a little bit about what we believe and they told me that they were into like crystals and new age stuff and, and whatever they believed and a little bit about that. And it was, a, it was a, just a normal conversation. Anyway, they left, we left and I didn't really think much of it. I've seen her at North Lakes a couple of times, one of them. And anyway, so I'm on the phone to my friend. And I go, yeah, bro, I actually do remember it pretty well. Um, why? What's up? Oh, and he just told me that he's been seeing her at his work getting lunch a couple of times. And, and she told him that something in her heart and in her mind that day clicked and she decided to follow Jesus. And I remember that day I felt like I hadn't shared the gospel well. I felt like I hadn't talked about Jesus enough. I felt like I hadn't, told, I hadn't, I didn't even pray for them. Like, what kind of a Christian am I? I didn't pray for someone. What the heck? And I remember beating myself up about it. Like, and I was like, man, I didn't. I didn't do a lot. But then to get this phone call two years later and say that someone followed Jesus just because of a simple little conversation, it reminded me a little of the parable of the mustard seed. If we go there real quick, I think it's in Matthew 13. Who's got a Bible? Great. Uh, 13 verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them, Jesus, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. It's a really simple parable, but basically what I, what I took out of this testimony was what I did on, at Mount Tibro with this simple conversation with these people was... I planted a little mustard seed. It was very small and I actually thought it was too small. But when I when I heard about the growth of this this seed of faith, when I heard about this person giving their life to Jesus and following Him because of that small little seed, I was so encouraged that God can do anything if we just say yes. And if we just do a little bit, if we just if we just we don't have to do an extravagant thing, all right? We don't have to um, see someone like manifest Holy Spirit on the side of a rock, like screaming in tongues and stuff for the first time. Like, you know, it can be such a small, simple thing. And I was so encouraged. 
Because that seed, that tiny little seed that I, I sowed, I didn't even think was enough. And so when I heard that it was, I was convicted and I was like, whoa, it's really easy to love people. I just have to do a little bit and trust that God will do the rest. That makes sense? All right, we might get to my notes now. I've upgraded. Oh my gosh, my notes are gone. No, they're not. Praise the Lord. I wrote my notes on my phone, not my journal. The future is now. No, no, because I normally write them in my journal, but I, God just told me what to speak about while I was laying in bed like late one night. I'm like, I'm not getting up to turn the light on. I'll just type it in my phone. So lately, I've been reading a lot of um, the Gospel of Luke, and I'm only in the first couple of chapters, but if you quickly turn there, just go to Luke chapter 1 or whatever. We'll just start there. Praise the Lamb. I noticed in, in Luke, there was a lot of times where um, an angel of the Lord or, or whoever, you know, the, the writer was writing and he said things like, he will or God will or John will or Mary will. And it kind of hit me. I was like, that's very strong language. Like, let's have a look. If you look at, um, I guess, one of the first places I noticed it that I've highlighted here was... Um, Verse, or even in verse 15, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. It keeps going. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And it keeps going. You can read all through Luke. I think I'm, I think I'm up to like chapter five or six. And there's so many times where it declares that this will be or he will be. And then if you read on, it actually happens. And so I started to think back on my life and my walk with God about the God wills of my life. Does that make sense? When did God say something that he will do and it happened? And I thought back to when I got saved. I thought back to my testimony and I want to share a little bit with you um, of my testimony and the God wills in it. Is that okay? Are we ready to go on a little adventure? I was a little rat. I was lost. I was also where Casey was at rock bottom. I was depressed. I hated myself. I hated life. I hated people. I didn't want to live. I tried to commit suicide multiple times. Thank God they all failed. Anyway, I was about 17 and I was living in Victoria and I got this random amount of money and I was like, I'm going to go see my family in Queensland. Dad, I'm missing next week at school. And he was like, what? Anyway, by this time, my dad had even given up on me, basically. I was so messed up. Anyway, so I come up here, and by random, not random, but by a turn of events, I ended up in hospital, and I met this family who um, actually go to Kingdom Culture Church, my, my first church, my old church, um, who I didn't know were Christian. And basically, they, they bought me dinner, and they, they sowed seeds that I didn't know about because I didn't even know they were Christian. They didn't mention God. They didn't pray for me, even though I was visibly injured. You know when you're walking down the street and you like see someone with a moon boot and you're like, oh, I'm a Christian, I should pray for them. Yeah. Right? It's pretty natural because you know you have the answer and you can see that they're hurting. 
So they could see that I'm hurting, but they didn't pray for me. And I'm glad because I would have said no at the time. Anyway, um, the next day I messaged one of them and I was like, hey, it'd be cool to catch up before I go back to Melbourne. That's when they invited me to church. And I was like, whoa, gee, here we go. Um, But I went um, basically because I thought they were attractive. (laughs) Anyway, and so I went along. It was... It was awesome, um, I guess. I didn't really understand what was going on. Uh, I went back to Melbourne. I lived my life, and I didn't hear from them again, really, unless I was up here and I was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to catch up again because I thought they were attractive, not because of God, but that was my, that was my heart motive, right? I'm just getting real. I'm being very honest with you. And so... I went and visited KCC a couple of times in the three years before I moved up here. Um, and then <clears throat> I moved up here and I didn't go to KCC. I was in a pretty bad relationship, but I, I had this drawing in my heart that was like, one of the reasons you came up here was to actually go and see if this was real. Right, and that doesn't just come from someone who's an uh, a, like self-proclaiming atheist that hates the idea of Christianity and church and God and doesn't believe in it, doesn't agree with it. But there was something in my heart that knew I had to go and see if this was real, but I didn't because of circumstances. And so, anyway, I broke up with this girl. It took three days. Far out. Don't do that. Just if don't do that. All right. And so I was I was leaving the house and um, basically I saw a tree and I was like, yeah, at this speed I'd probably die if I hit that tree, all right? And this is getting very, very real. Far out, God is so good. Anyway, I, I turned my steering wheel and my car kept going straight. I freaked out in my car. I'm like, what is happening? So that remember that, all right? That's an extreme first encounter that I remember with the Lord. A couple of days later, I'm staying with a workmate. I'm laying in bed and I'm a mess. I feel very uneasy. I don't want to be here. I don't know how I'm going to get up and go to work. But in a moment, the room filled with peace. And I knew, I didn't know at the time, but I know now that it was the Prince of Peace walking into my room, who is Jesus. And so I had these two things happen in the space of three days. And I was like, all right, I got to message this pastor I met because this is whack. And he's the only person I knew that knew the supernatural or whatever it was. So I messaged him and he invited me to church. <laughs> so I went because I wanted to know what, this was all, what was happening, right? I wanted to know because that was the drawing of my heart. And so I went along and I told him and, and he told me it was the Lord. And what my point with this is, my first God will, is God will chase you. In fact, he always has been for eternity. It's why he sent his son, Jesus. Why don't we turn to uh, Luke chapter, that is Mark, Luke chapter 15. And I'll show you something really cool. And you've probably heard it before. It's another parable from Jesus, red letters, it's more anointed. Oh, can we cut the tape there? It's not. It's definitely not. Verse 4, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? 
And that is the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of God. He will, he will leave the 99 just to chase you, just to chase you, just to chase you because He loves you. He knows that there's strength in the 99 because He spent time with them. At one point, He left that 99 and found one more, brought it back into the 99, and there was strength. Thanks, Liv. There was, and then and created strength in that 99. I love something Liv shared in a team meeting a while ago about um, shepherds and sheep. I love this. The Bible says that Jesus' sheep know his voice. And, and what shepherds would do is with the lambs, they would hold them under their arm and not speak directly to them, but speak to the other sheep. So this lamb would begin to recognize the voice and recognize how the shepherd spoke, the tone, the words he used, when he would speak. And I believe that's what God wants to do with everyone. So that's, that's my first God will. Does that make sense? God will chase you. He will leave the 99 to chase you. He's been doing it for eternity. My next one, it's kind of two in one. God will deliver you and God will heal you. What am I talking about? I was very mentally unwell. Physically, I was pretty all right. Mentally, I was very unwell. I needed healing. I needed deliverance from those thoughts, from that lifestyle. I needed God to do something and to move. And so I was reminded while I was preparing this of the Exodus from Egypt. If you've read it, if you haven't, it's the second book of the Bible. Just read the whole thing because it's awesome. But basically, the Israelites were in bondage, in slavery um, to the Egyptians for 400 years. And they were cruelly treated. They were so brutally treated, it's unbelievable. And then God radically set them free with miracles. He split the Red Sea. The Israelites walked through. And when the Egyptians walked through, the walls came crashing in. That's wild. God wants to radically, miraculously heal you and deliver you from, from bondage and from slavery. Does that make sense? Not that you're slaves, but you're, you know, am I making sense? Awesome. All right. This is also in Luke. I'm reading from Luke because it's just what I've been reading. Is that okay? Go to Luke chapter 5. If you can get there. All right. This is really cool. And this should be your only response if someone asks, is it the will of God to heal? Because it's Jesus's every time. Ready? Listen to this. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he, capital H, Jesus, put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately he was cleansed, he was healed. Uh, it's, it's verse 12 and 13. Did you hear that? Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately he was healed. Don't let your experience determine what you believe. 
It's God's will to heal always. And I believe that. And whether it happens right now or whether it happens later, it's God's will to heal. I believe that He wants to do every healing instantaneously. Do I see it? Not yet. I'm going to chase after it though. And that's what I want to talk about as well. That's my next point. Let's actually go there. I know I'm flying through this, but it's fine. Luke chapter 8. All right, this is another awesome healing testimony from Jesus. I love this book. Have you noticed? Man, get into this book. Get into this book because it will change your life. Don't read it alone. Read it with Holy Spirit. Read it with friends. Read it with people who have read it. Read it. Just read it. Just let it become who you are and don't rush through it. Take your time. You have all of eternity. Ah. All right, let's read from verse, let's go from 40. Chapter 8, verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Picture this with me. This man comes to Jesus, he's left his only daughter dying at home, but he knows that Jesus is the only way to help her, right? We'll come back to that maybe later. Let's keep reading. But as he went, Jesus, the multitudes thronged him, which means they were just pressing. There were so many people, they were like touching him. Everyone was touching him. Like it was just like, you know, when we like mosh up here, like it was worse than that. Absolutely possible, it's in the Bible. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, 12 years, did her healing happen instantly or did it take 12 years? Who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, so she's got nothing, she's got no money, she's probably going to lose her house or already lost her house, she's got no food, she's got, she's got nothing left and nothing worked. She came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Whoa, immediately. So yes, the healing happened immediately, but she contended for her healing and she fought for her healing for 12 years. Was it God's will to heal her 12 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Why didn't it happen? I don't know. I mean, Jesus wasn't on, like in ministry, but I don't know, right? But she fought, she contended, she sold out. She went after her healing. And then as soon as she saw Jesus, she said, and here's the cool thing. If you know, uh, back in these times, someone with an issue of blood was actually usually an outcast of society. They weren't allowed in the village. They weren't allowed in the synagogues. They weren't allowed in the temple. They weren't allowed to come to gatherings. It was, they were unclean and people made it known. Like they would walk past and be like, unclean, unclean, unclean. And there was a certain distance that this woman would have had to be outside of all the village activities. But she fought through a crowd of people that at any moment, if one of them saw her by law, could have killed her. By law, she fought through that crowd and she said, right, this is it. This is all I have. This is all I have. I'm going to fight with everything I am. 
She's probably pretty weak. She's probably not a strong woman. She's been sick for 12 years and got no money. Right? But she fights knowing that God will heal her. Man, that is, that is a, such a beautiful story. Absolutely powerful. Yeah, all right. My next God will, and this I kind of shared it a little bit during worship, is God will be with you. At the very end of Matthew, he commissions us and he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I've taught you, instructing them. But the very last sentence he says, Jesus, before, before Matthew finishes his account, Right, is this, ready? And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is such a beautiful reminder. And I feel like that's so importantly, the very last sentence of Matthew's gospel. Because who knows that when you go home, you're probably not gonna remember my first God will or my first point, but you probably remember my last one because it's fresh, it's right there. You might at some point remember the rest. Or if one really stands out to you, you'll really remember it. But it's really easy to remember something someone's just said. Right? So I feel like it's really important and really strategic that Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write the very last sentence. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I take that as a constant reminder that Jesus is with me. And if I ever forget it, I know where to find it. It's very easy to find. And I think it's, the most, it's one of the most important things to remember always. Because if you're like, if you're feeling really stressed and you've got like an exam coming up and you've got like, you're working like double shifts, you're trying to like do all these things and you've got like everything in your face and you don't know what to do first or how to do it. You don't even know how you're going to see it through to next week. If you can just still yourself for a minute and be like, God is with me. Man, it will change how you approach that. If you're struggling with mental illness or any physical illness and you believe, man, God is with me, it will change you. It will change your perspective. God will begin to speak to you clearer or you'll hear him clearer rather because he only has one voice, not clear and distorted. (laughs) It's clear. You'll begin to hear him clearer and it's really important. So I want you to remember that. In my Bible, it's on page 1608, if that helps. All right, go back to Luke 5. Oh man, this is such good timing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I had no idea how long this was going to go for, but this is awesome. All right, chapter 5. This part... I remember starting to read chapter five and I, I really took a moment and I said, Holy Spirit, I do not want to miss what you're speaking in chapter five. My title here is Four Fishermen Called as Disciples. And I said, Father, I want to know how you called them so I know how I'm called. Does that make sense? I, I really took a moment. I remember it was so amazing and I'm going to do it more often. I'm going to really, I don't want to miss things in this book because it's so beautiful. All right. 
So, yeah, I'll just read from the start, I guess. Will I? No, I won't. Yeah, okay, fine. So it was, as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, I don't know how to say that, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats. All right, interesting. Which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon was washing his nets. He wasn't even at his boat. He's probably cleaned his boat. He's been out all night. They've caught nothing, which is pretty bad for a fisherman. I mean, it's your only job. You've got to catch fish and sell them. So probably a rough night. He's probably not feeling it. He's probably like a little bit like, dang, didn't catch anything. Not going to eat tonight. Like, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's that serious. It probably is. But he's probably tired. Who here has a job or school even? You're pretty tired by the end of the day, hey? Right? It's, it's pretty natural to feel tired. So Simon's probably tired from working hard all night and not catching anything. He's brought his boat in. He's probably tidied it up a little bit. And now he's washing his nets, which I figure is probably the last job of the night. And Jesus says, yeah, we're going out again. Launch out your boats. Simon's like, what? No. Actually, it's not what he says. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. (laughs) I love that he starts with master. Like he's just met him. He must have been teaching something good. I mean, you guys don't call me master, so (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't do that. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. I love that. Jesus says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. How, who knows that that's pretty direct. Simon's like professional fisherman, never seen this guy before. He's probably could have been thinking like, You've got no idea. We've been out all night, caught nothing. There's nothing out there. But he's like, all right, if you say so. And they get out there and they let down their nets and God fills them. My next God will is God will fill your net. Would you launch out into deep one more time? Even if you're tired, even if you're weary, would you let down your nets at the Word of God and trust and believe that He will fill them? Because the Word of God says He will. I believe that Simon could have very easily said, no, I'm going home. I want to go see my family. I want to just, I've had a big night and, you know, long night and nothing really happened. I'm pretty tired. Thank you. Love your offer. Maybe come out with us tomorrow night. But he had confidence in Jesus, confidence in God that he will fill the nets. And the really, really cool thing 
is not only did he fill the nets, but he filled them so much that they caught a great number of fish. <coughs> Excuse me. And their net was breaking. Their nets were designed to catch fish. That's what they're made for. But Jesus, in abundance, filled them so much that they were breaking and they had to ask for help. Why is that important? Because I believe there's unity in the calling of God in your life. You can't do it alone. God will send people to help you. God will send you people to surround yourself with that will build you up and edify you in Him, in your calling. Far out. Jesus, we thank you for the God wills in our life. Since I have been walking with the Lord, there's been plenty of things I've wanted to grow in and learn. And, and as Casey was saying so beautifully, even Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favour with men and God. But it's not, it's, not, <clears throat> it's not about, what I'm learning is it's not about what you can grow in, but how you grow in it. And I think how you grow in it is knowing that God wills in your life, the promises of God. And the Bible says all his promises are yes and amen, so he will fulfill them. I, um, yeah, I bless you in Jesus' name with this word. I pray that it sits in your heart, that you would take from it whatever resonated with you. I pray that you would take it to the Father, to intimacy with him, time with him, and let him speak to you through it. I pray that you would find hope and find peace in Jesus. And if you have any questions, I pray that you'd ask him. I pray that you'd ask us leaders because we're here. That's what we're here for. We're here for you. I pray you'd listen to it again if that's what God draws you to. Thank you for listening to Youth Movement Podcasts. If you want to find out more about us, head to our profile or you can go through our playlist and listen to more podcasts just like this.